0: And we are rolling live here for the first time with the Anime Roundtable podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed the D20 live segment. Uh, And now you get a taste of a little bit of a different side for Anime North. And uh, actually kicking this off with me here is a few different gentlemen. But uh, Mike, you and I were going to throw it around for a little bit off the top of the episode. Welcome.
1: Evening, Andrew. Nice to finally talk with you.
0: It is delightful to finally talk with you, sir. We've
1: have been a- talking for a, about a month now, just knowing that you'd be
0: uh, throwing to us. So <laughs> how's the day been? Just out of, out of curiosity. Uh, it's been an amazing day. The audience has been incredibly receptive. Uh, I'm pretty sure they have been enjoying all of the panels and stuff. We've had some amazing discussions going on in the chat. So uh, I'd say it, we've done pretty well so far.
1: Good. Uh, how, how's the lineup at the TCC? I know that the vaccine clinic is has been going.
0: It's brutal, man. I tell you, if I could just flip the camera around and show you what I've been looking at all day.
1: (laughs) Quick story. And we've mentioned this constantly on the show in past episodes. And this is one of those full circle moments. I I always want to tell the Anime North fans. If you remember back in November when the first vaccine was given in this province, did you know where it happened? No idea. It It happened at the Michener Institute the site of the very first Anime North back in 1997. It was actually in the gymnasium where the dealer's room was. Oh. So all the spots that hold near and dear to Anime North's history, past and present, also hold are key spots in the vaccination effort in this city.
0: So Anime North has just, you know, been a little bit ahead of the curve in pinpointing where vaccines should roll out. Right.
1: Well, uh, but that's—I thought—a little nugget. We've mentioned it before on our show, show, but I know we have a larger audience than usual. I count about a hundred twenty right now. I'm seeing one hundred and
0: forty-five. Uh,
1: really? I guess we're on. I guess you, you see more more than I do. <laughs> but that's a that's a little delay, and uh, that's how it works. But um, anyway, listen in and enjoy the show. Okay, I'll talk with you at the uh, at the back end of the show.
0: Absolutely, I'll be lurking in the shadows, guys. Okay. Have fun. Let's rock.
1: Steph, hit the music. The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk podcast network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. Alright, we'll start from the top. As we wind down Day 2 of the Anime North Stay-at-Home Edition on the Saturday night, May 29th, 2001. This is episode 43 of the Anime Roundtable 2.0. Good evening, I'm Mike Nicholas, sitting at six points, 10 minutes south of the Anime North compound in the Toronto West End. Joined by James Austin, Kevin Ng, Mohammed Shamarki, and Jeff Greg at various points around the GTA. A quick reminder, we want you to join in on the conversation. Email us oldschoolanimerooundtable at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Anime Roundtable, and you'll for sure hear from us. And AnimeRoundTable.com is our website for show notes and past episodes. And as a podcast, we're also available on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and the like. We're also on Facebook, Discord, Twitch, and YouTube, although those are dormant at the moment until we figure them out. And yes, we will be watching the Twitch stream here on the Anime North Compass for comments uh, comments as the show goes on this evening. And gentlemen, it's good to see all your faces, as I said earlier. You look great. this time I decided to take off the sunglasses. Okay, let's, uh, I guess, get a little serious here. We want to start, we want to give everyone watching or listening to this show for the very first time, a taste of how a typical episode of the round table goes. We only have roughly 50 minutes instead of our typical longer time frame, which is usually 90 minutes, just so you know. We're not in our typical empty panel room on Friday and Saturday night at the Delta, And typically we'd be on at the same time as anime hell, or the masquerade, or the 404s. Instead, we're following up the 404s and D20 live this evening, and thank you very much for being our lead-in, guys. We typically be starting an episode talking about our day around the sights and sounds of the AN compound, but there isn't anything typical about the last 14 months. But this show is about talking the headlines in the anime and manga world that simply caught our attention over the last few weeks. So that's what we're going to try to do. Talk as many headlines as we can tonight. I thought we'd spend most of this show doing a Bullets episode where we present headlines in point form, but it's clear one of them will become an essay. So late last Wednesday Toronto time, word broke out about the death of Kentaro Miura due to an acute aortic dissection. He was 54. He started off his career first as an assistant to George Morikawa, the creator of Hajime no Ippo, and as an illustrator for Fist of the North Star creator, Budunson. But without a doubt, he is most well known as the creator of the long-running series Berserk, which has been running since 1989, and was ongoing at the time of his death. So I know we'll talk a little bit about his legacy and what's to become of his beloved work since it still stands incomplete. First of all, it must be noted that Mira Sensei passed away on May 6th and that it wasn't publicly known until about two weeks onward and that his family by that point had held a private service. Our understanding is that news like this is usually on the family to make publicly known and it certainly is their right to keep it private for a period if they so wish. Uh, this this sort of reminded me of the Kyoto animation tragedy two years ago, when we didn't know about the about the victims' names back then, and it was a couple weeks onward before we started to have a trickle of any of the names. So uh, so I we understand some of that protocol, and that's probably the first fascinating point about. Uh, well, the first thing that kind of stuck out to me, but I know this is that's different because that was a crime. This was just natural. And we'll show the statement one more time by um the publisher. Uh, Hakan Sancher. Thank you. And we'll talk about it. OK. Um Immediate reactions, guys. What's your thoughts? Um Oh, quick, quick show of hands. By my own admission, I've never seen or read Berserk, but I certainly know of its legacy. What about you guys? What about you guys? Who's read it? Who's seen the anime? Who's familiar with it?
2: Yes. The, I've seen all the mediums. So I've read the whole manga. We got all 40 volumes, uh, out here in English as well, which are, uh, in Japan. I have watched the first TV series, the 97 one, which ended on the cliffhanger in the eclipse. I watched the movie trilogy and then the two other, uh, animes, but, uh, it's been an interesting ride to say the least. I think the only thing I, I've played the Musou game, the only thing I haven't done is I haven't played the Dreamcast game. So, but it's, it was quite I, something I, strangely,
1: a- strangely, I did play the Dreamcast game. I'll be honest about it. <laughs> how was the Dreamcast game, Mike? Uh, hard as a be. I <laughs> That's all I remember about it. My only real regret is it was a rental copy. And I would now looking back, and this has nothing to do with his passing. I would have been curious to read up uh, to get that for my uh, Dreamcast collection. I still have have the Dreamcast sitting somewhere uh, at my parents' place. Okay, so uh, just you, James. Anybody else? I've read up to Volume 5 of the manga.
3: Yourself? Yeah. Uh, Although I will be rectifying that soon because uh, I'm part of a manga collecting Discord group, and... They have tentatively scheduled a group read for Berserk in the next two or three months, and uh, I know my public library has it in circulation, so I'll read all of it at at some point by the end of this year. Mm -hmm. That
2: would be an interesting group read to say the least, because I've done a group watch of one of the enemies, the first one, and that was very interesting in itself, especially (laughs) the last volume with the last few episodes. Uh. So...
1: Anyone else who wants to say something or I mean, you, the others haven't seen it, have they?
4: Yeah, I haven't read or seen it, Um, as I'm sure we'll get into, like, and as you kind of mentioned, like the legacy of the series, I think has had ripples effects throughout, you know, the fandom and of course, other, um, other series, other mediums, other works of fiction in general. Um, But yeah, I haven't uh, directly read it.
1: Mo, do you have a thought? Because you told me you had family who's who only know two shows, and one of them is <laughs> jerk. What's the other? What's the other? I think you said that to us. One
5: Piece. One Piece. I mean, one, you guys have to remember. One piece. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's, uh,
5: it's 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 a a classic piece of work. You know, I think the 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 style of it is something that people resonate with, um, and it's like surprisingly well known. So it's like super sad to see him go.
1: Yeah, I guess there's other question and. That kind of leads to the question. So let's...
2: Okay, I was thinking, Mike, uh, just to go off quickly, is that for Miura, Berserk was the big thing for him. And it started in 1989 to the present. And it was just incredible, like having read the whole manga, starting from volume one to now to volume 40, how he's developed as an artist. And when you saw all the tributes from all the different to artists and creators around the world, you saw that shine grew as well and stuff like that, how they inspired him and how he developed himself over that time, because it was incredible with the breaks, especially the last two decades, that the amount of work he put into his craft was incredible.
1: Let's talk about the influences, the influence. I I, I use the term influence tree. I use that with you guys in the pre-show meetings as we uh, planned this episode. Work with Morikawa and Burundsen, and Morikawa was was only one year older, right?
2: Yes, they were both in college. So at the same college, one was the senior, which was uh, Morikawa. And then supposedly in his tribute to uh, Morikawa had very kind words for him and also said that when they took a break, they talked about uh, manga and all these other things. And he took a look at his drawings and he said the inspiration was there, the brand, the fairy, which would become Puck, the p- dark swordsman, which would become Guts and stuff like that. And he said, this guy has got something special, and he saw something very special in him.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that because you every a lot of people over the tributes have mentioned the influence the influence Mira had on them. He influenced uh, people like Hajime Isayama, he of Attack on Titan, Yana to- uh, Tobosu, Black Butler's uh, creator. We can go on and on. I think designs for Final Fantasy uh, for Cloud and Final Fantasy or Devil May Cry, I think the producer of uh, the recent Castlevania animated series cited him as a big influence. and obviously there's uh, constant news that surrounds berserk and Netflix being tied together for something in the near future, but uh, who knows which way that's ultimately going to go. You know, it had me thinking. First of all, let me place a uh, place a metaphor or analogy with you. Udunsun, Morikawa, um, they were clear influences to Miura, but in turn, Miura ended up being an, uh, influencing a lot, a host, a whole generation of other artists and other mangaka. I kind of akin that to the relationship between somebody like Johnny Carson to David Letterman. Carson was the, was clearly the biggest single biggest influence to Letterman, but in turn Letterman was an influence to an entire generation of talk show hosts, your Conans, your Myers, Stewart's Kimmel's Kimmel, especially Colbert. But it all seemed to funnel in a in a very weird way through, well, through Mira in a similar sense. In a similar sense, and that that's just something that that uh, grabbed my attention when looking at the way he he influenced people. But here's a but another thing that sort of caught my attention is when his work came out in the nineties and as the anime really became popular later on in the uh, mid to late nineties, I suppose, I believe that really, he really started to solidify the idea of the ultra violent uh, dark fantasy style of storytelling, especially we have to really, really emphasize words like bold illustrations, hard lines, very violent, very graphic coined the coined the whole idea
4: of dark fantasy right so i well, think like as as a visual artist i think that um, or at least someone who's trained in in visual art. I think his penmanship and that line work is artistically a huge influence on a lot of the other uh, mangaka that you know maybe stray away from you know more of the screen tone approach and kind of go into the more hatching um, line work um, style, which you know mangaka um, and artists in general do across uh, different genres um, beyond the hyper violent. Um, Or like, you know, the kind of macho. Um, I think it's really interesting when you look at Berserk kind of from a fan and cultural level, um, you have the, you know, big hulking swordsman archetype. But in my early days, like at Anime North, um, watching the AMVs, a lot of what I know Berserk for was like the Bishonen. Um characters and you know, the the fairies showing up and wondering like, is this the same series as a couple minutes ago in the AMV? Um, so I think it's it's actually really powerful. Um, an artist like this who has changed over the decades. Um, his influence has probably been um in play with a lot more genres aside from that action. Um Action genre um, similar to the the JoJo author. If you look at the changes um, that come with him, and you know, you can again, as you mentioned, trace a lot of these lineages to something like Fist of the North Star. But um, I would say with um, with Miura and uh, Berserk, I'd say at least with the '90s and onward um, artists is almost more of an influence. Like I know Guts's name, despite not reading the manga, but I can't recall the Fist of the North Stars protagonist's name
1: (laughs) okay let's let's go back to
4: fist of the north star
1: so let let me reel off various titles pre pre pre-berserk fist of the north star sanctuary lone wolf and cub sanctuary yeah lone wolf and cub titles like these a lot of them were very mature titles a lot of them were hyper even hyper violent can you make the argument that those titles were maybe just before their, were before their time in terms of their popularity? Why was it berserk? Why was it berserk that became the phenomenon amongst fandom overseas? Can, like that was it just right place, right time in, in berserk's case? This is not to, and this is not to, to undermine what his legacy at any point, but it, it's just fascinating to me that we focus a lot on berserk. Uh, or is it or is it a, at a point where fandom the way fandom gathered itself at various points over the last couple decades
3: i think that fans can identify with guts to some capacity because uh for those who have read or watched the anime they know his backstory and it's a painful one and the man that he is, is a result of his past. And he's not just some godly, super strong being. He's, he's more than that. He, he suffered just like how you know most of us have suffered in one way or another throughout our lives. And I feel like that's one compelling reason that draws people in and keeps them reading week after week or
1: month after month.
2: So it's a character.
1: I mean, as I said, I've, I'm speaking as somebody who has never there, really been There is with.
2: definitely story. Like a lot of it, I think his story might that he definitely had a compelling story. You had the first three volumes in the future, and then you went back to the past for the Golden Age yeah. arc, where you basically find out about the backstory of Guts, and he is the struggler and basically he had no family. And then he becomes and finds family in the uh, Band of the Hawk and stuff like that. Yeah. And then trying to discover Mm -hmm. what that means. And he has to leave it then to discover that this is what he wants. But then the eclipse happens, loses that family. But then the great thing is there's this very long redemption story. And it comes to kind of a close at one point in a bar where he's gathered all these new companions and stuff like that. And gathered this new family and found this new hope. And it's really incredible. And the other great thing is May fans will tell you now is. Hey, we made it to the island, everyone.
4: <laughs> a lot of the articles that I've read in the last couple of weeks have really focused on um, some of the criticisms of more recent um, stories in Berserk, kind of softening uh, things. And then the um, the kind of instant rebuttal to that was the entire story was a redemption story and, you know, this was always kind of the intention or it became the intention as the author wrote it. Um, And as Kevin mentioned, I really think it is this main character that has latched a lot of people on. I have a friend who has made multiple um, RPG, like tabletop RPG characters based off of Guts. And I know that's not an isolated incident. I'm, I've am i read other accounts online about this character really being an inspiration, not only for, you know, professional and published um, writers and authors and artists, but also kind of the amateur or the, the hobbyist as well. Hmm.
1: So where where do you want to go a little bit more into this uh, talk about him? Should we talk about the reaction of his con- of his his contemporaries and those he influenced because there were tributes that certainly poured in over the last couple weeks. Any any particular reaction that caught your attention? I think somebody really really got hurt on that one, right? Like like it, it, it was a tough it was a tough one for a lot of people. I mean, I'm, I'm reading, I'm looking at this up. Adam Dietz, the assistant director of Netflix's Castlevania, tweeted out. I know that was it, and I'm looking at a Crunchyroll article. Uh, Tec- uh, Koei Tecmo, the video game company, showed a picture of their render and gave tribute as well. But the, 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 list, the list just seems to go on and on. Mizuho Kusanagi, the author of Yona of the Dawn. Okay, Yuji Kaku, Author of Hell's Paradise. Oh, that Kugaru, a good one. Kuraku. The author of Kingdom, Yasuhi Sahara. Lots, uh, even Ken Akamatsu, out of all people. <laughs> Ken Akamatsu. <laughs> I know his style is, uh, has changed over
5: the uh, you know, uh, over like years. Good good creators recognize all the good creators, right? Yeah,
2: yeah that's true. I think uh, Miura said that as well. It's like that he recognized Ken Akamatsu's... Uh, talent as well and he had that back and forth in that tweet it's like incredible Mm -hmm. stuff there and we know about his love of idol master i'm sure he's enjoying that wherever he is Mm, rest his soul so the reactions
1: have been even even not necessarily on the creator side even on fan sides and other other companies Uh, i saw a video yesterday on youtube uh gem mint collectibles They talked a little bit about his death, but he noted one little uh, public, quasi-public statement on one of the uh, Facebook groups that belonged to Prime One Collectibles, which had been making figures and statues that they had the rights to do so for Berserk. And it was noted in one post that Prime One Collectibles are mourning the passing, and they are advising... Are apparently advising a lot of uh, people not to expect to see any new goods in the, in, in the near future concerning Berserk as a show of respect. While, uh, while, while Mura's loss uh, is, is immediately mourned. Contrast that to what we're hearing here about reports of, of volumes of the manga being now sold out and then we're seeing the odd thing, the odd volume now appear on for uh, on eBay for a, a markup, because you know, yeah, cause, 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 you know, as as the Wu Tang Clan astutely mentions, cash rules everything around me. Get the money, dollar <laughs> dollar bill, y'all. Ah, but this is kind of a yeah, kind of a dick thing to do, isn't it? It kind of is. Uh,
3: I've been noticing that as well on eBay, where like prices of those deluxe editions and the single volumes have been shooting up, even though Berserk is still in print. But this always happens when a creator or a popular athlete or whomever passes away. Like I think of when Kobe Bryant passed away, And they had to stop selling his shoes for a little while out of respect for the family. But people were just hawking all this Kobe Bryant merchandise on eBay and StockX and wherever. And, you know, people were emotionally charged so they would spend the money on that kind of stuff. And is it kind of scummy? Yeah, it is.
4: (laughs) I think that's... That's also why I think it's really great that Kevin brought up that he was able to find it as a, at the local library um and I'm sure a lot of g t a libraries have copies in circulation for the next couple of weeks. They'll probably be a little hard to get a hold of um <laughs> yeah, but I think that if you can um hold on, I don't know if Berserk is published digitally um but if you can hold off mm. for a little while, um I don't think this is gonna be something that's gonna be impossible to find in four months. Um, I think or beyond like within a year um so I think that hopefully people can can have patience um and dark horse for what it's
1: worth has noted that berserk is their highest selling i guess manga title so yeah
3: it is and they've had trouble keeping it in print every so often here and there like there were there were stretches of time when the singles were out of print and those were being hawked but I imagine that they'll try their damn hardest to keep it in print right now. I think but, they'll definitely yeah. try. Just okay. manga publishing in general, like it's been hard keeping titles in print right now. Like so, like even with new releases like Chainsaw Man and Jujutsu Kaisen, like they've had to run multiple print runs of titles like that. So but I think it'll come back. Yeah. I don't think Dark Horse has to worry about demand
2: so i think f- i'll say ahead one ahead. quick thing there sorry there mike is that not just dark horse we should thank in english fandom for them bringing it over but don't forget that it was actually a co-publishing deal when they first started yeah. bringing it over and so Trigun, helsing and uh what was it the vampire Hunter d novels and berserk it was digital manga and yeah. dark horse together that brought it over and actually on the spines of the first editions till 37 you'll see digital manga so it was nice that they both of them were able to bring it over and that dark horse was still able to keep the license and still bring it over to the fans and i think that was a good tribute like it was a good fit for his style because they got it into the comic book stores and got it to different audiences that may not have seen it and probably would have liked it and uh, ate it up you know what i mean
1: mm-hmm. pigeonhead uh, says that some of berserk is available at the toronto public library on ebook to borrow online thank you very much and somebody here also said one of us looked like sheldon from the big bang theory <laughs> i wonder which one hmm. okay let's uh before i switch to the future of the title let's i We've had this conversation before about titles that defined the anime companies that published them. Berserk was at the time Media Blasters when it first came out on DVD, right? Yeah. Correct. So like back in the day. And the day is <laughs> And then it I went thought, to it feels recent to, to me, really. The, it went to it Crunchyroll. <laughs> feels recent to me. But like we 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 had this talk before. ADV, Eva um, Jenny on basically Tenchi Moyu. Let's go through some of the companies a little. Funimation, who else? <laughs> Dragon Ball Media Blasters to some degree, it was Kenshin, to some degree, it was Berserk back in the day. And is it one and one, a, like, or is it clear there is a clear one and two in that?
3: You mean it's not Bible Black? <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, Central Park Media. Okay, well, we can go a bunch of ways with Central Park Media, <laughs> right? Raska Doji, why not? We can as well say that. So. Or, as, uh, oh, yes, yeah, somebody's asking. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, for four kids, is
4: it uh, Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh? Oh, Pokemon, 100%. <laughs> there
1: you go. And the list goes on and on and on. But that's just a, a thought. And that's probably just to illustrate the type of impact Berserk had on the overseas market as well.
2: I would think as well, Mike, that they actually had some great extras in those own print Media Blasters, uh, Berserk, the first series anime. And some of them, they had, I think, an interview with uh, Miura, but they also had the dub outtakes. Those were some of the best dub outtakes Media Blasters and NYAV post ever did. And (laughs) sometimes they're probably on YouTube and maybe someone saw that. And probably weren't expecting what they were getting for Berserk and stuff like that from some of those outtakes because they were hilarious.
1: <laughs> they were. Okay, let's continue. Oh, one last thing, and then we'll get to the last part of the discussion on Miura. Um, Rings Not Coins asks, why is Mike on the subway tracks? That's dangerous. Take a good look at my background. If you can <laughs> recognize it, a prize, well, figure out what type of prize later on, a prize <laughs> to the person who can figure out the background. Take a good look. Where is that from? Thanks. Okay, let's talk. What's the future? What's the future for Berserk? It remains incomplete. Some of the assistants have spoken. It sounds like they're like we get mixed mixed reports as to what the status of the story could be eventually. Could be one of those George R. R. Martin type things. There is an outline for the remainder of the story. That's one rumor. So some assistants have said they will do their best to continue, but maybe that's a little bit vague. Could be referring to other titles that could be in the pipe. It's been known that a lot of his his assistants worked on titles that are actually attributed to him more extensively. And their the art style was great with them, so it's entirely possible that they could finish the story on his behalf. But where, where do you think that stands? Does anybody have any thought or, or at the very least state of preference? Especially I, feel, you,
4: I feel like I, sorry, um, but um, I think ideally, um, if he had any intention, like I don't imagine this sort of thing would be in a will, but like, um, if he was able to express his desire, that's ideal. And I'm not sure if anything like that would would be in play, because um, I definitely want, um, number one, his wishes to be respected, and then number two, his family's wishes to be respected here. That, yeah,
1: true. That's fair.
4: And uh, nothing's been obviously we're still,
1: like as I said, it was it's been almost a month, but still, I'm sure, very raw for those closest around them. So I suppose that question we won't hear anytime soon. Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: There was uh apparently his chief assistant posted on Twitter. And so I found this screenshot of the tweet that was auto-translated on the Berserk subreddit. So it reads. I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm not in a position to decide on it. So I'll move. Though well, this is where it gets a little janky in the translation. I'll move underwater for a while. I think they mean undercover. Even if there is a specific thing, it will be timed. Finally, thank you for being a fan of works such as uh, Mire Sensei's Berserk, and thank you for your continued support.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So it seems like they don't know at the moment either.
1: So it remains to be seen. But it sounds like who knows.
3: It could,
2: it could be very special, and if they have those moments and they're okay with the assistance at Studio Gaga going forward, then maybe later on they might uh, find a way to continue it. But even if they don't, I think where it is in the series, it's an okay ending, and I think most people will be okay with it. They just have to get the seven uh, chapters that were put into uh Young animal collect into one more volume, and then it'll all be uh, good. But for where they are, it's not a like this is the end, but it's still a nice place to end off. There's time no will- cliffhangers to a degree. Mm-hmm. Okay, time will tell. Time will tell. Yes,
1: rings not coins re- says I would not. I would imagine Mira's assistants would be able to pump out at least a chapter or two seamlessly, depending on their workflow ultimately it's really hard to say. okay, I guess we should end our thoughts on ura. Um, we've stated quite a bit, but it must be noted an acute aortic dissection sounds well it's it's the it's the, it's the uh a hole apparently in the main artery of the heart and blood eventually leaking all over. And that causes, I guess, some sort of cardiac Mm. arrest. It is one of those things from what I understand that's very hard to diagnose because it can be associated, the basic symptoms of it can be associated with just about anything, any other cardiovascular issue, like a heart attack, perhaps a stroke too. If caught early, my understanding is it can be quickly treated, but that's the problem. It is once again, very hard to diagnose. Once again, Kentaro Mura. Gone at the age of 54. Okay. Okay. Uh, just mentioned John Ritter died of it as well. Yes. These things just happen suddenly. I think I had a coworker also pass away of, of it too. Oh. Okay. Let's lighten this up. I guess. So uh, how much time we got? We got about 20, 25 minutes. Give or take. Yeah. Give or take. OK, let's I'm going to throw this to some of the fans who are in the stream just to see if they're paying attention. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to we're going to continue the bullets for a couple seconds here. I'm going to ask the fans, which way do they want the bullets, the headlines to go? Do they want to us to talk a little bit about some stuff? Concerning uh, streaming news, we constantly talk about the streaming services, obviously with Crunchyroll being in the news for rightfully or wrongfully with their uh, now uh, under-review sale to Sony. We can talk a couple headlines related to the streaming services, or we could play a game of yes (laughs) or no. stream. So we'll wait a minute here, and we'll ask... The chat. What do they want to play with us? Oh, hey guys, wait, let's, let's
5: uh, so chat. Let's put one for option one and two for <laughs> option two, guys. Let's oh, just get say, that they, they say yes can just, or no or stream, okay? <laughs> yes or no or
1: stream, and we'll find out uh, what people want to want to which way, uh, which headlines do they want us to talk about in the next couple of minutes? Oh, okay. Banana Star Online says the game might be more uplifting. Uh, I'm getting a Second on the game. Ah, we got well. We'll give it another minute, and then we'll uh, make a, make the call. Looks like I should set up the uh, shut up set up the uh, <laughs> slides right now.
2: You see uh, a third one. You know a trend will be happening.
1: <laughs> yeah. What's uh, uh watch the uh, watch the thing from you for a second, will you?
2: Oh, well, we did get one stream.
1: One stream. I like news. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> thank you, Isiconics. Uh, would you like to talk streaming news, or yes or no? And the yes no game will will go on headlines <laughs> as well. By the way. Just for reference, <laughs> it's not really a, a guess. Uh, we're just going to play play a proposition, and we're just going to go around the table asking about it. It's not really a game, but it's a yes or it's just a yes or no proposition. We'll play the game. Oh, it looks like a sounds like everyone wants to play. Oh, somebody says stream. One put uh, number Only, one. I, so I think that's yeah, so, that's so we got a
2: couple streams.
1: So how many streams? Uh, What's what? What does it look like? Overwhelmingly. It's it's definitely game. Oh, we're definitely play yes or no? or no. They said
2: game.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is no fun because the they they already the others know the uh questions already. But we're going to play spring it on everybody else. Place your bets now. Never kills apes says. Thank you. <laughs>
4: Place your bets now. I I think I hope we're not overselling it as calling it a game though. No, it's not really <laughs> a game. It's like As I said,
2: just uh, look at the AAA games out there. How much bad could it be?
1: (laughs) Thank you. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Okay. Speaking of games. Okay. Y'all just lost. Thank you. (laughs) You must be. uh, Y'all just lost. The Leafs did lose earlier tonight. So we are in Toronto. You're welcome. So it sounds like we're going to play Yes, No for a couple minutes. I guess we're going to play Yes, No for a couple minutes. You ready to play? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Okay. Yes or no. It's uh, well. As I said, we're just going to play a couple headlines and give a th- ask for a thought from everybody around the table. So let's uh, go into the screen for a moment, and we'll play three yes as many as three yes no's. So here we go. Yes or no. Yes or no. Is Yasuke anime's Black Panther moment? We, there was this talk when Black Panther came out a couple of years ago, how it was a touch point, a big moment for representation in mainstream cinema. Yasuke, can we say that about Yasuke? Want sure. To go first? Sure,
5: why not? Yes, I mean, let's, <laughs> say yes. <laughs> let's
1: say yes. Let's say yes. Well, give me a reason why. I mean, you, Kevin, Mo, you, I know you were big on it uh, when the weekend it came out and tried to press me to watch it. And I liked it, but I didn't really know what to make of it.
5: I totally. mean, it's it's got mechs in it. What, what more
1: do you want? Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> anyone else? Anyone else want to try it?
3: You know, I don't think it's quite to the extent of Black Panther, but I think it's a plus one for a Black representation in Japanese anime, because not only, not only did the Black man not die first, but the Black ma- men has got rewarded.
1: Oh, that's, yeah. The, the,
4: the nice spoiler right there, nice, I th-
1: nice spoiler right there.
4: I think that I, I kind of second the the sort of tentative no. Um, I think that it's definitely a great um, positive step for representation, not only on the screen, but behind the screen as well. But if you look at Black Panther, that's, um, you know, it addresses both um, Black culture like within Africa itself, as well as within North America. Um this is a deviation, not a negative one, but a deviation of a, a historical Japanese story um, that I don't think is going to impact as many people as Black Panther did. Okay. Well, we talked well, Mo just talked about the mechs. Yes or no?
1: Because there's are there's some articles that talk about this. Did Netflix do a favor or a disservice to Yasuke by making a more or less fictional story based on him?
5: I mean, that's a tough one to say, right? I mean, it, I like the mechs. The mechs are fun. <laughs> there's, there's there's magic in there too, for some reason. I mean, yes, obviously, people who either weren't expecting that to be the case, but it was, and it's super fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, like I think it scratches the entertainment itch and stuff like that. But I hope it maybe inspires a few people to give a little thought and say, well, this is something they set after he has told history and stuff like that through their own fantasy and stuff like that and maybe think let's go and see who the real yasuke is and stuff like that because many people don't know that type of history happened in Japan right i mean
5: it, it would have been nice if they had released this like in tandem with like a live action that's more grounded and whatnot but i mean it's pretty it's it's pretty good you know
4: yeah sadly i don't know how many people are going to uh, go and research the historical yasuke after watching <laughs> this um i think it's it's unfortunate as with a many other reasons with Chad, Chadwick Boseman's passing. Um, Cause he was set to um, be a live action. Yaskay. Yep. Yep. Um, so I think if that had played out differently, um, this would have been maybe less of an, an, issue, but I think it's, it's not great, but uh, I, I, I like the creativity of it, but uh, hmm. my take is scratch the surface.
1: I became curious and want to and even tuned into some online lectures about the historical Yasuke. it sounded fascinating so at least it made me curious but I can only speak for myself and yeah nice, nice, nice touch to mention Chadwick Boseman, since he was in talks to eventually play to play him in a live-action movie on the topic of Black Panther
3: well i'll say one thing i do think yasuke was better than afro samurai oh yeah oh yeah 100 percent.
1: okay because i'm seeing people uh bring Talk up afro, afro <laughs> samurai all right, yeah. all right let's afro! go on let's move on for a couple of seconds we have a few more minutes to go okay i'm gonna turn left here on the slides toshio toshio suzuki oops toshio suzuki uh Appeared on Fuji TV, and while admitting neither he nor Miyazaki had seen *Demon*, the *Demon Slayer* movie, Miyazaki was reported <laughs> to have said it would be a hit, and to him, it would be a rival. Yes or no, *Demon Slayer* as a viable rival to Miyazaki? In I terms like. Of, well, in terms of what? Just anything. I mean, I, I think the short answer is not really, but for th- there is some food for thought in that in that story right? I mean look at it. Remember Demon Slayer has become one of I guess the highest grossing animated movie in Japan of all time. something to that effect or I don't know where what the what the numbers are concerning it. It's obviously done very well here, although you can make the argument that it's sort of by default. And pandemic.
3: But I believe it. it is the second highest-grossing anime film in North America at this point. So it only needs to beat Pokemon the first movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: it, it beat Pokemon two thousand, so it is in number two. But yeah, it still needs has a long way to go before it beats uh, Pokemon number one.
1: <laughs> that's right. somebody's saying apples to oranges. Hear yeah. us out for a couple seconds here, okay? And I'll I mean,
2: if that's why. the case,
5: they're both fruit, right? I mean, apples to oranges and whatnot.
1: Well, there was a. There was. Yeah, it made me think about a panel that was an online panel that the Japan Foundation New York put on late in April that talked about the children in Miyazaki's films. And it worked on various, on a common thread. And Susan Napier kind of pointed that out children who experience trauma and loss and ultimately become resilient because of it. And kind of goes back to, kind of talked a lot at length about Miyazaki's childhood, surviving the war as a kid. So the parallels are, I think, to Miyazaki, at least there. Yes, I get it. We could be reading way too much into it. But I thought the fact that he acknowledged it Maybe in a backhanded way, I suppose. Just said, it's on his radar, though.
5: Well, yeah, it's like scores ACN Marvel, right? It's like greatness recognizes other greatness. No, that that's a that's a fair point. E- easily, easily. Although um, one of my favorite uh,
1: comments was at the in the Sora News post. Mel Buchanan here, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase. Said, "Sweet, can't wait till they're forced to team up and." Make an even more powerful anime to save the medium. Mel Buchanan, you may have hit something on the head. Okay, I guess we can do the, the last bullet, the, the the last yes, no, can we? Oh, oh just quick, really quick update. Oh, sorry. Quick, quick update. update. Yes? Uh,
3: it, did, it did surpass Spirit Away in Japan, so it is, uh looks like it is the highest grossing anime film in Japan as well.
4: And I just quickly wanted to kind of um, reflect what that one commenter uh, said about uh, the comparison aspect of it. Um, I think a lot of people really wouldn't consider um, the Miyazaki uh, films to be comparable to serialized um, anime as we know it. Um, You know, there's the famous memeable quote of Miyazaki saying anime was a mistake. Um, but like, even beyond that, I think that, um, you know, animation as, uh, like a mode of production as an art form is, is so broad that I think they're only being compared because it's a work of, you know, 2d animation that's coming out of Japan.
1: Mm-hmm. Mon Mongoose, uh, ghost pepper says save the medium from what that is a longer story. <laughs> and we only have roughly 15 minutes to go. Okay, we can, do, we can do the yes, uh, final yes-no, can we? Yes or no. With the settling of most of the legal issues concerning Macross, we must, I repeat, must have a Sharon Apple concert. Mm. Does anyone want to touch this one? Keep in mind, technology is there. Hatsune Miku made sure that's possible. We're seeing a more, a plethora more of Virtual Idols?
4: The um, the Splatoon concerts in uh, Japan, and I think one in France or other in Yeah, in no, it was
2: in France, yeah. yeah. But the technology's there. It's it, it would be interesting to see, would they do it just with Sharon Apple to build up uh, whatever they want to do next with Macross? Or do they want to do a team-up like many of them do? And if they do a team-up, they probably want to do Hatsune Miku, right? Mm-hmm. Anyone else want to take a stand?
1: Because we, we, when we talked at length about the and the Macross settlement a month or more than a month ago, Kevin, you astutely pointed out that the music itself could still be at risk, or at least it's in the it's not that hasn't been totally settled. I think you mentioned that.
3: Well, I know when it comes to like spotify and like apple music and whatnot like yeah you can't get those on those platforms so far as i'm aware at least definitely not on spotify because i know with victor entertainment a lot of their old back catalog was put up on spotify the last few months but not the macross
1: music well now and that could make things a little complicated i'm sure
4: that's it's really interesting just as a um quick like comparison, because uh recently um it was announced that the classic Sonic the Hedgehog games were coming back as a, a a package thing. And for a long time, because of the half-rumored, half-official collaboration with Michael Jackson, people have assumed that the reason why Sonic the Hedgehog 3 hasn't been re-released is because of these music rights issues. Um so, it hasn't, you know, this game was just recently announced, so it hasn't been revealed whether they're going to use the original demo music, as a lot of people are, you know, assuming, or if a deal has been made um, with whoever behind the scene uh, scenes needs uh, to be talked to to make that happen. But I could see something maybe similar happening with uh, a macross situation, like, you know, We, it might take years to, you know, settle those rights, or it could just be all original music uh, made for whatever reboot they plan to do. Hmm. Mm.
1: Well, there's, there's the thought. And as I said, the technology says it's possible. So why not go there? Oh, wait. Okay. I just got a note from Steph. We got a couple extra minutes. Do you want to talk the streaming, the two streaming uh, notes before we uh, go? Or do you want to go to the community calendar, guys,
4: before we go tonight? Well, we had a few votes for the streaming, so maybe we can uh, appease okay. those those audience members.
1: OK, let's go into the streaming. And I guess we can kind of do the two stories by themselves. So I'm just going to call them. Uh, let me just give me a second. I'll just call up the little slides, and let's talk about those for a few minutes before we go tonight, and I guess we'll do them together. Interesting little article by Bloomberg we mentioned this week, or earlier, or it was at the beginning of uh, May. Uh. Yes, it was at the beginning of May. Bloomberg a couple weeks ago mentioned in an an interesting survey on the popularity of streaming programming. According to Parrot Analytics who likes to keep up with these things. Japanese language programming has counted for about a third of the foreign language offerings over these streaming services over the last six quarters in the US. Japan has had over 30%, Spanish 21%, Korean has 11 You can see the rest of the numbers right there. Uh, if you queue in just enough, I can see this screen. Belief being that it has been fueled after viewers have become familiar with at least one anime title over the pandemic remember remember when i said when we were talking about the chances of the Crunchyroll deal going through or not and we all at the time agreed probably will because no matter even if anime is the center of our universe as fans as anime north fans and it's not meant as a shot what is it really in the in the grand scheme this says that could be changing a little bit and the fact that the Crunchyroll deal is being looked at by the US Department of Justice kind of goes hand in hand. That's the part that kind of has my curiosity about this, about this story. But uh, do you guys have a thought on that or just agree? (laughs) Well, this is also on the heels earlier this week. It was reported that Amazon Prime has commissioned or asked, has purchased a Japanese version of The Masked Singer. And this is a picture of the, ho- of the host, Yo Oizumi. Okay. Mm. We've talked at length also about Japanese language programming on Amazon Prime with Noitamina, And just for reference, if anybody is really curious about this, there is a Japanese version of The Bachelor that is exclusive to Prime. Or at the very least, I, I I haven't seen it in the Canadian version of Prime, but I know it does exist. So this kind of comes back to that whole line we just saw in the in the in the um, survey in that graph a few minutes ago. So this is just one of those things about seeing ja- more Japanese language properties. And yeah, seemingly twelve Japanese celebrities will be doing this show. Maybe some of them are music artists as well. But uh, this is a, just a thought and open to some curiosity. I thought that was interesting. But do you guys have a thought on these two stories? James? Especially, since
2: I guess uh, out of interest, like I know for many people, when they think of Amazon, they forget. Yes, Amazon does have anime on there. Yes, they made deals. Yes, they had Anime Strike, which they jettisoned uh, not too long after they started it, after a few seasons. Good riddance. And- <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> double no, it's, paywall, like give me a break but the other thing is I guess they looked obviously at Netflix and we've seen they have made inroads with their investments through anime and even through live action stuff like that and other players through other articles we've talked about in previous episodes if you want to listen um, they have started to look and see maybe we should look at this more seriously and the other thing is the subscription base here in North America and in the West has kind of stagnated. So they got to find new markets and Asia is one of those markets and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see how these other players play catch up and prime seems to be doing that as well. But it'll be interesting to see how they do it uh, this time. If they do include uh, anime along with the live action properties and stuff like that.
1: Two episodes ago, we talked a lot about the battle lines being drawn between Korean dramas and Japanese anime, but I think, and then, you know, the battle for Asia, that's, that's where we are here. And there's just lots going on.
4: I think one of the advantages that anime in particular might have here is that... Um, the international audience um, across many different titles may be more wide. Like, you know, we've talked in the past on the podcast about things like, you know, Saint Seiya being popular in in Latin America Um, and, you know, things um, like different um, soccer anime being popular in the Middle East as well. Um, So I don't know if these types of series are on these platforms, but I think that if you you know, averaging in all these age groups and uh, different subject matters, that might be, you know, part of the reason why Japan has, has such a, a high like percentage there, at least as far as uh, that point on streaming goes.
3: Hmm.
4: Yeah, it is. I don't know. I'll
1: be honest, just uh, anecdotally, been watching a lot more Japanese dramas too. And and some of them are based on manga. Million yen, million yen women. We've mentioned this on the show before. If you're a Radwimps fan, that's its lead singer, as the star, worth a watch. It's, it's a drama from uh, 2017, but yeah, it's just. I guess that's just the way uh, uh, the way time is just going. Okay, how much time we got? Just after midnight. We got. I few, think we got few minutes. We got uh, probably at most ten minutes. We've been uh, the runway got longer. Steph uh, sent us a message. So the runway just got a little bit longer. Okay, let's uh, quickly do the community calendar. Oh, yeah, 10 minutes is c- completely fine, she just said. Let's do the community calendar before we uh, end it off this evening. So thing uh, if you like your if you like your anime talk with a degree of intelligence and cultured stuff? Some recommendations. We constantly mention the Japan Foundation New York and their continued ongoing series on academic perspectives in Japanese pop culture. And we are going to recommend that they continued uh, this particular one. It was the second part, uh, second in a part of a series concerning Studio Ghibli. Steve Alpert, who is the former head of Ghibli's international division, I know talked at length about his role in promoting Ghibli and Miyazaki 25 years back. He was also joined by Asian studies prof, Dr. Raina Dennison, who talked at length about localization and international distribution strategies as well. This is, as I said, the latest in an ongoing series. They've talked about Sailor Moon. They've talked about Satoshi Kon. They've talked about music and anime. Last time they talked about uh, children in Miyazaki films with Helen McCarthy and Susan Napier. Helen McCarthy is obviously a regular guest here, so that's worth checking out. But also of note in this little talk, Helen McCarthy was also in the chat. I missed most of this. I only saw the last 10 minutes. The chat, which is available on YouTube, if you watch this on YouTube, is just as interesting because you'll start to also see A little bit uh, towards the very end of this discussion, they talk at length about Netflix and its influence and its burgeoning move further into anime. And remember that talk we had a few months ago when we talked about the upcoming division of fandom between what Netflix could be doing and probably those who really like their anime more true. You you're gonna see those that discussion kind of play out just a little bit towards the end of this this video. So uh that's worth checking out. Also, if you uh want to get closer to home, let's talk Toronto for a little bit and talk to Japan Foundation Toronto, who will be presenting a panel about translating manga on June seventeenth online. Jocelyn Allen, who uh, who we pr- all became familiar with as a TCAF regular, she's uh, she's translator to Nagata Kabi and Junji Ito. We saw uh, we saw her do that interview, that great interview with Kabi, uh, Nagata Kabi a couple weeks ago at TCAF. She'll be moderating and be joined by David Evelyn, who is translator of Undead on Undead on Luck and Kaiju Number Eight, and Jenny McKeon, who translates Black Black Canvas. Nichi uh, Nichijo and Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting. They'll talk about their experiences in the field, especially how translating shonen titles are different from translating Yuri or BL. Uh, Kaiju Number
3: is Eight is so good, by the way. Hard to recommend on that manga.
1: So yeah, I know. I, I thought when I mentioned Kaiju Number Eight to you, you'd be at least be curious to know. Yeah, how you talk to the translator.
3: I've heard David Evelyn talk on the Shonen Jump podcast. He, it's it's always fun when they talk about kaiju number eight. Okay. Uh, people who want to read that, they can read that on Manga Plus or on uh, the Shonen Jump app.
1: Great. All right. And finally, since uh, it begins next week, we best uh, mention the Toronto Japanese Film Festival, which begins and runs from June 5th to June 27th. Online tickets are now available on the JCCC website, I believe it's like a hundred bucks, and but you get to see all thirty movies in the festival, or I think it's like ten bucks per movie. It sounds like a good deal. I think there's like thirty movies.
5: It is a good deal, guys. Yeah, check that out.
1: Yeah, he uh, yeah, Mo- and Mohammed Shamarki knows what he's talking about because he's a <laughs> tip junkie. So uh, this might be worth checking out, and maybe we'll talk about that just a little bit more. Yeah,
3: in terms of the uh, the anime related. Uh, Movies that are playing. uh, There's the Lip Lip anime film. So they usually do one animated film a year. And then in terms of live action adaptations of manga or anime, there's the Quarter Mouse Dreams with Cheese, which is the based on a BL manga. And then the
1: I believe the Yomushi Petal live action movie is also going to be there too. So there's anyway there's there we mentioned it we've mentioned it a few times before. Worth checking out. And that's about it. Almost it. Anyway, we have a little bit, to, a little bit uh, to do. What do you think, guys? How do you How do you think the first live experience went?
2: Good. You I mean, know, I we it. did I well. Okay, we didn't. We didn't go two hours.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, no, ah. oh, we went half as much. <laughs> all right. Well, good to see all of you guys again. Okay, I guess I get to end by doing my own version or my own imitation of Mitch Album and tell you guys a final story to end the night. About a month ago, director, uh, program director Eileen McAvoy put up a scan of the program guide from the very first Anime North back in 1997. As you can see, Christian Carr and Martin Hunger, who you saw earlier today on the stream were guests of honor back then too. Of note to us, myself and James especially, was the advertisement on the back cover. Longtime listeners for sure will recognize the Comic Den Mississauga because of their association with this podcast back then. They lent us their server space to host the original episodes of this series. Norm and Eileen were also longtime regular visitors to the store, and that's likely how this ad ended up in this guide. Chances are, if you're old, an old enough anime fan, you probably depended on little independent science fiction or comic book shops to get your anime and manga fix, no matter how trivial they were. Every town or city has a version of that store. Toronto? In Toronto, you'd have your Silver Snails, your 1 million comics, Cyber Cities, Harry Tarantulas, Kiki Wise or Beguilings, and dare I say it, Pacific Malls, which existed before. And then later on, you'd have your anime extremes and Navito worlds before you went online to your Amazons, RightStuffs, Crunchyrolls, Funimations, and Netflixes. In Mississauga, it was Grey Region, or Planet Hobby, or the Comic Den. We introduced Terry and Anthony Visser, the brothers who ran the old store, back in episode 23 of the podcast's original run, or as we sometimes call it, version 1.0, back in 2007. This photo we're showing you is from the day of that taping. They would also appear three more times in episodes 35, 51, and 59. Most of the store's regulars would have had the habit of getting into long conversations with them for their takes on the business of geek when it came to things like comic books before and then anime and manga later and we wanted listeners to get a sense of some of the conversations regulars like James and I often got into with them it was even more interesting when we learned a little bit about their family tree and the connection they have to a key person in the Anne Frank story as a quick aside to the young lady who bought the saint tail dvds off of me at the nomanoichi 4 years ago i wasn't kidding when i said to you then you now own a copy or a link to all of that too. It was the rental copy from the Comic Den. This podcast in many respects is a tribute to them and all of the vendors who helped pioneer the business of anime outside of Japan. The Comic Den kept taking out ads in the Anime North program for almost a decade, which was when they closed up their regular shop in 2007 due to health issues with Terry. They did keep their business running for another seven years through their home until they finally decided to call it a day and move to a more rural area of Ontario to be closer to the other family, forcing people like myself and James and much of Mississauga to find our fix elsewhere. We want to acknowledge them one more time to the Anime North fans and Roundtable listeners who were too young to know who they were and to say thank you again. We know at some point Terry and Anthony will hear this episode, and we just want them to know it's an honor for us to pull, uh, it's an honor for this podcast to pull up the rear on day two of the Anime North stay-at-home edition, much like they pulled up the rear on the first Anime North program guide almost 25 years ago. Next year, we'll mark the 25th anniversary of Anime North. And as we lead up to it, you're going to start to hear a few of the stories to fill in some of the convention's history over that time. I know we'll have more than a few stories to share ourselves. And I hope many of you out there will take some time to listen to them. Our thanks to Chris Nabelski, Kathy Schutt, Norman Eileen, and the social media, graphic, uh, social media graphics and tech teams at Anime North Hopefully the invite remains open for next year. And if it does, we will return in person without fail. But that's all we got for this episode. Once again, tell us what you think. AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com at AnimeRoundtable on Twitter and Instagram. Also check us out on Spotify. Not only can you listen to the podcast itself, we will also have a playlist of songs related to many of the shows we mention we're watching. And please, if possible, leave us a review wherever you see this or get your podcast, because that'll help us get on the good side of the algorithm and perhaps help us find more listeners. Devin? Five-star reviews, please. But a couple four-star
3: reviews is okay, because <laughs> it makes it seem like not all of those were fake reviews.
1: and and please tell your friends about us too we typically do episodes once every other week as the pandemic moves on and hopefully reaches its end but regardless subscribe to us wherever you're getting this so you can be notified whenever we have something new for your listening enjoyment so until next time thanks for watching and listening Good night from Toronto enjoy the rest of Anime North Online and hopefully you'll join us on the other side of it for another edition of the Anime Roundtable
0: All right, folks, we are back. And guess what? I'm still here hanging out with the awesome people, the gentleman who just gave you that delightful podcast. Uh, That was a great bit of history here, boys. Thank you very much for that. We appreciate. Hey, Andrew. Yes. You can hear us, right? I can hear you.
1: Okay. Give me a... All right. First of all, um, did anybody figure out the background behind me? I guess we have no... We're not giving away a prize tonight. Oh, (laughs) Can anyone I mean, take, I got take, take a good look? Anybody in the chat able to figure out who we who the background is, or where the I, background is from?
3: I spoiled it.
1: Well, oh, you did spoil it. Yeah, I did. Well, okay. Did anyone hear it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Somebody asked. We should have brought up the Gundam Seed movie announcement just quickly. Kevin Mo, I know you wanted was, to bring that up.
3: Oh, I was just saying that we should have brought it. We, <laughs> if we had more time, we were going to bring it up. But since we have a bit of time, yeah. So I guess that's finally happening. And I don't know how you can create a sequel after that abomination known as gundam seed destiny but i digress and i would still watch it anyway
5: i mean yo tm said it's happening so it's gonna happen let's just all chill (laughs) (laughs) good old
3: tm revolution uh you can
1: depend on him okay
5: so he's
3: amazing
0: live by the way okay Kevin. don't know that we're getting any uh any guesses for you guys unfortunately (laughs) okay well kevin you go ahead kevin
3: Oh no, uh we were just saying that uh oh no, I was mentioning in the chat that your background was from ocean waves, if I remember correctly.
1: It is. Yeah, take a good look, guys. That's ocean waves behind me. Andrew, before we go, is there a, was there one story that caught your attention? I always give you a I promised to give you a last word tonight.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I don't know that one jumped out at me. I actually really enjoyed your yes and no discussions. Uh, I thought there was some really interesting dichotomy that you guys decided to throw in there. Uh, I really like the uh discussion of Yasuke and how uh impactful that is currently uh in representation within anime. So uh I know you I, believe in it too. I, I have absolutely believe in it. Do, very much so, uh because for all y'all who may not know at home, I also have a podcast that is very strongly uh advocating for social justice, but I'm not plugging my stuff here because it is totally unrelated <laughs> to Anime North. Uh and it's also very much not family friendly. Speaking of not family friendly, if no one has noticed what our sick kids goal is currently sitting at right now because I have the maturity of a oh, 12 year st- old. It stood at it stands <laughs> no, at a, oh yeah, well we won't say anything else. There's one uh, more
1: day, dude. There it's is... we still have to shave uh Chris's uh, it's Chris's head, right? It is Chris's, Chris's head. head, and if oh, I need your bribe, beard. Or, or your, your beard. beard,
0: if I need to bribe, the beard will go if that's what it's going to take to pump that twenty five hundred dollar goal out. So, uh, well, we have one more day. We have I know one more day. there though, at that at uh, that number. <laughs> but uh, I think I shall bid you, gentlemen, a wonderful evening, uh, and I'm going to do some outro plugs here. So, thank you so much for joining us, guys. We'll talk it was really against, a delight.
1: Andrew, we'll talk again soon. Thank I know you, we're I know you. we're talking Japan fest festivals in the near future.
0: We are doing that, sir, but that is other stuff. That is not for this. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. Have a good night, gentlemen.